It was very evident that the person who lived here loved this land very well. You could see it in the pastures. You could see it in the barn renovation. His gardens were very well kept and they were all managed organically. He leased some of the land to a farmer who raised organic grass-fed cows here. And so it kind of hit all the things for, for me personally that I was interested in as I was doing this exploration of, you know, where do I go to find better food and where do I, what companies can I support to buy better products and what things can I, can I trust are safe in my home for myself and my family. Welcome to Utopian Talk a podcast surrounding the journey towards health, sustainability, and building a better world together. Join us as we kick off engaging discussions with sustainability influencers, lifestyle bloggers, health and wellness coaches, bakers, and foodies, conscious people just like you who are taking steps towards a brighter future. It's time to join us on the journey because there's no planet B and there's no time like now to make a difference. Hello, hello, and welcome back to Utopia Hen Talk, where we have small yet engaging conversations focused on building a better world together. I'm your host, Paul Myers, and I'm joined by my terrific co-host, George Weaver. Hey, good to be with you, Paul. How good. are you? I'm doing well. Good. Having a good week? I am having a good week. Good. It was Valentine's Day, so uh, Valentine's Day earlier this week, so I feel like the week was off to a good start. When, oh, you, yeah. you know, when Valentine's Day is on Monday, I feel like it should sort of like push the Mondays down the road a little bit, maybe. Maybe push the vibes up on Monday <laughs> so you get a good roll into your week. How was your Valentine's Day? Hey, it was great. Oh yeah, it's got to got to spend it with my fiance, so that was awesome. And your so, wedding's coming up. It is, yeah, two months from today, actually. Two months from today. That's right. Well, there you go, yeah. folks. Uh, hope you all had a great uh, Valentine's Day and are having a good week. Um, our guest today uh, is one of a kind. So. Um, not only has she served our country as an Air Force reservist, which uh, we thank her for that, uh, she's also published her very own book, starred in a Netflix series, secured over 41,000 followers on one of her three Instagram accounts, bought and is living on a small family farm, owns several cats, chickens, and other farm animals, and met us, scheduled a Zoom call, hopped on said Zoom call and had a pre-interview all within the span of half an hour, maybe less. <laughs> <laughs> and with this official interview being scheduled less than five days after meeting her in that initial Zoom call. So Utopia fans uh, is with great pleasure <laughs> that we uh, bring our guest today, uh, none other than Sarah Bergstein. Sarah, thank you so much for joining us and welcome to Utopia Hen Talk. Hi, the two of you. It's so good to be with you. Thanks so much for having me. What an awesome, warm welcome. Yeah. Hey, I try to make it as warm as I can. And I just think you had so many different things that sort of just with us meeting and everything, it was just like, man, this is this is a pretty, pretty that we were able to throw this together. I feel like our guests are in for in for a fun ride. Um, so thanks so much for joining us. Um, we want to hear about you. Our guests want to hear about you. This whole thing has sort of been on a whim and a wild adventure. And if my resume holds true, um, I feel like a lot of your life and just the different chapters and things you've been through has been just this whole culmination of just unexpected and grand opportunities. And we want to hear, hear about you. So where are you from? Like, just, yeah, tell us about Sarah Bergstein. Well, thank you so very much. And like I was saying, we hopped on the phone, you know, really quickly, as you mentioned in your intro, and 
I said to you at first, this is the power of social media working at play. You know, I was sitting at my kitchen table, eating my utopian duck eggs and enjoying my breakfast with my little cat Buis. And before I was even done with my breakfast plate and had put it into the sink to clean up the dishes from breakfast, we had hopped on a Zoom call and we were talking about um, you know, the, the benefit of eating fresh eggs and farming and sustainability. And we had this whole nice long conversation, which I've grown to learn is one of the great passions of my life. So if I back up a little bit, um, I'm from Allentown, Pennsylvania, grew up there with quite a big family. There was four, four kids. So a family of six and a whole big gaggle of pets. Um, I was surrounded by animals much of my young life. And I think that that's probably why today I have such a big passion for working with animals. Um, specifically, my partner Chris and I have worked in cat rescue for the last several years. And that's because we adopted a cat. Well, we had adopted several cats prior to that, but we adopted one specific cat in 2018 who had a really hard backstory and made us think a lot about the potential to give more cats a better next chapter of their lives. And so back then we sat and we thought, man, if we really could, um, you know, move out of the city, we were living in Philadelphia at the time, if we could move out of the city and we could get a little bit more space to breathe and have a little bit more space to do some more cat rescue, can you imagine all of the difference that we could make? Mm. So my heart really lies in animal rescue because I've always loved being surrounded by animals since I was a young person. Um, and it's one of those benefits that I, I don't know that we saw as being such a big part of our life today, but we've been blessed with really great rescue animals and we've had a lot of fun doing that. Um, and, you know, I can see that pattern of how animals have played a really big role in my life up to now, which is very fitting now that we find ourselves sitting on this farm today. Yeah. Wow. Well, thanks so much for going into that. That's that. And how many cats do you have? How many cats do you have now? Cause you have a couple, right? So currently we have five. Um, I had two of my own and Chris had one of his own when we were both dating, but living separately in different cities. And we moved in together. We adopted the fourth cat, the one that I mentioned that really just sort of stole our hearts and was very special, very special for us. Um, and about a couple of years later, we adopted two more cats. One who you mentioned has a very significant following on Instagram. Yeah. And that was because he had made a really big stink online when he was put up for adoption. There was this like really cute picture of him. Um, a it's lot of people, page, right? <laughs> yeah, he's a very he's big he's cat. A, big boy. <laughs> a lot of people applied to adopt him. We were the lucky ones to be chosen to adopt him. And um, we started an Instagram account so people could follow the progression of his story. And, you know, I have this sort of saying that like, there's no point in having any sort of celebrity in life if you're not gonna do something good with it. And so we took that Instagram account and we turned it into a way to educate our followers about cat behavior, um, the introduction of cats to your household, what the cat rescue scene specifically in Philadelphia looked like, and then beyond that. Um, you know, and in the last two years, we've been able to start what we called, the cat's name is Mr. B. And we've been able to start what we've called Mr. B's Random Acts of Kindness. And we've raised almost $20,000 so far that we've taken and then turned around and given to, um, in $500 surprise increments, to individuals who are working in cat rescue and working with animals on a day-to-day -day basis to make their lives and the lives of people and animals around them better. 
Um, you know, a lot of times nonprofits can apply for grants and they take donations from their donor base, but there are many, many, many individuals out there working behind the scenes every single day, making a big difference in this world. And we wanted some mechanism to recognize those people. Um, so that has been a very fulfilling part of my life. And it's funny how those two worlds have kind of collided because over time, while we were working in cat rescue, we were, you know, that's sort of our philanthropy work. But on the other side of that, I was also going to school. I went back to school to get my MBA and I was paying a lot of attention to, um, you know, just the ingredients in my food and the, um, the things that like what were in the products in my household and um, what were in the things that I was giving to my animals on a day-to-day -day basis. And so our love of working with animals and then our interest in um, food and farming and sustainability and, and all of those different things sort of collided at this one place where the farm became the place for us to realize a lot of those dreams and the passions that we have. So what actually led you to uh, that whole process of getting out of the city, going to the farm, how were doors opened in that way? And I know you had mentioned, uh, and why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about the whole because wasn't there a previous owner to the farm and he sort of, you sort of bought it from him and tell us a little bit about that journey. There was, you have a good memory. So <laughs> we were sitting um, in 2021, it was like the summertime and we were thinking about our, our lease. We were renting a home in Philadelphia and we were really happy in the city. We loved living there. We loved walking the city. We loved having access to everything. I went to college in Philadelphia. So I was very familiar with the city. It's a place that we, you know, we were comfortable that we had ended up but over time, we just really wanted some more space to breathe. We wanted a little bit more room, a little bit more quiet, um, a little bit more, just more space. And so we started thinking about, you know, oh, down the road, we'll get a farm. You know, maybe that's like someday way down the road when we're a little more settled or we have a little more money or it makes a little bit more sense for our lives. And we were looking on Zillow because the lease for our, our house was coming up in the fall. Um, we happened to have been doing a keyword search for farms and we were like, you know, let's just get a sense for like how many farms are for sale in the United States right now. And we typed in farm as a keyword and zoomed out on the US and in the viewfinder, this farm popped up and it was, I mean, it was so beautiful. I'll never forget the way I felt when I saw the picture. So I was like, oh my God, what is that? Clicked on it and read about this, this amazing description that just like went right to my heart. It was, how would you like to live on a 58 acre sustainable organic farm with rolling hills and a pond and a place to grow fruits and vegetables and raise animals, um, you know, and live in peace in the countryside with minutes to a downtown. And so that farm happened to have been in upstate New York in a place that we're not familiar with. We don't have family here. Um, we had only really been to once before when we traveled to, to go see the leaves change one year. And so we said, oh my gosh, like, let's just inquire and let's just, let's just see. Um, so I happened to have called and made an appointment with a real estate agent, came up here the very next day to see it and um, really just fell in love. Um, you know, you would think that those processes happen like all at once and it's just like, oh, this whole beautiful thing fell right into place. But there was a lot of fear going into that decision for us. And we struggled with whether or not it was the right place, the right time, the right farm, the right dollar amount, yeah. all of those things. And ultimately, 
Chris and I sat down on the couch and, you know, we knew we had to move fast to make the decision. And we looked at each other and we said, what do we have to lose? Is it money? Is it like, you know, maybe we decide it's not something that we, we wanted or didn't like, or, you know, like what really do we have to lose? And the answer that we came up with was nothing, nothing. We have nothing to lose. Let's just go for it. Like life is so short. Um, why delay your joy? Um, so we put in an offer on the farm and we were under contract, you know, we found the place on Sunday. I saw it Monday. We were under contract for the farm by Thursday. Um, you asked me about the previous owner and he really is someone who is very near and dear to my heart and played a really big role in the decision to actually purchase this farm. Mm -hmm. Um, when we came up, when, when I came up here to see it at first, um, it was very evident that the person who lived here loved this land very well. Um, you could see it in the pastures. You could see it in the barn renovation. He had put a lot of money into renovating the big red prolific barn that's here on this farm. Um, his gardens were very well kept and they were all managed organically. He leased some of the land to a farmer who raised organic grass-fed cows here. And so we really just it, it kind of hit all the things for, for me personally that I was interested in as I was doing this exploration of, you know, where do I go to find better food and where do I, what companies can I support to buy better products and what things can I, can I trust are safe in my home for myself and my family? Um, you know, it's funny because I stood on the front lawn with the, with the previous owner when I was here doing inspections and he said, you know, when I finally decided to sell this place, I went up on the hills and I was talking to the trees and I was talking to the land and I was just saying out loud, will you please some, send someone here who will steward this place the way that I have? And then he looked me straight in the eye and he said, so Sarah, I think perhaps that the energy that I was putting out into the world to find someone who would take care of this place in the way that I have met the energy that you were putting out into the world about wanting a farm and a place to steward of your own. And so perhaps the, that energy met in the middle and that's why you're here today. And he really is just a very special person who has taught me a lot about um, stewardship. You know, we, you might say like, sure, we own this 58 acres of land on paper, but to me, I think, you know, we don't really own any of this. None of us really owns any of it in a way. And so the question I keep asking myself is how can I be the best steward to this farm and to this land and to this place that we've been so privileged and honored to have? And then how can we leave it better than how we found it? So that, you know, the next person, the next Sarah and Chris that come along after us um, can, can steward this place off into the future in a better way, even than we've done. Yeah, I love that. That is so cool. And I love your enthusiasm for, for leaving the world a better place. And, and that rings very dear to our hearts here. And just how do we, you know, not do anything that would jeopardize future, you know, growth of the soil, of the land, and um, impacting the future farming, specifically for us. Um, and so, you, I mean, you mentioned that you love regenerative agriculture practices and organic and talk to us a little bit about that and how that's um, how you guys are able to kind of maintain what's already been, you know, put into the land. How are you maintaining that on a day to day basis? Very practical. Well, so it's really interesting that, you know, that you bring up 
that I'm, that I am interested in regenerative agriculture because, you know, a year and a half ago or two years ago, I couldn't have even told you what that word meant. Um, and I'll preface all of this conversation by saying, you don't have to own a 58 acre sustainable organic farm in New York to talk about these conversations and to, to have some sort of education or understanding about farming practices today and how we can preserve and maintain our soil going forward. So, you know, I, I got interested in regenerative ag because we started thinking about supporting our local farmers. Um, you know, we got interested when we were living in Philadelphia, we used to drive out to Lancaster and Reading, and, you know, we used to take all of these trips to local farms on the weekends and we would go to all different kinds of orchards. And we just had like a personal passion for visiting these places and figuring out like, where do these fruits and vegetables come from and how can we support the people who are growing and maintaining them? And, you know, where, how, how can we get a little bit closer to our food? Um, and so as I started down that path, I started to learn about traditional farming practices and why maybe that hasn't or, or, or like ha- hasn't worked in the past or is not sustainable going forward. And that led me to understanding the practice of regenerative agriculture. Um, funny enough, it started by me following a young couple that lives in Ohio um, who runs a regenerative practice farm. So they rotational graze all of their cows and their chickens, and they sort of walk their followers through that process. And you can order grass-fed beef from them, and you can order chicken from them. And they take you outside on the farm with them through their daily chores. And they talk to you about how they're maintaining the soil and checking the health of their animals and making sure that, you know, they're, they're raised in a humane way and that they're well taken care of and healthy and that also you know they're giving back to the land and the soil that they farm on and all of that just made you know without having any farming experience in my background without coming from a farming family i lived in you know suburbia america i was not in a 4h program growing up i was not surrounded by cows and chickens and pigs and farm animals but um it made very simple sense to me that in order to maintain Um, our environment going forward, it would make sense that you would take care of the soil first and that that would be the starting place from which so many things were able to grow and prosper and flourish. Um, You know, I'm reading a book right now about soil health that's so interesting because it talks about like sustainability is a word that we use very often. How, How do we sustain and maintain what we have? But when your soil is is depleted of its fertility, um, it's sustainability is no longer something that you can do going forward. The next step is how do we regenerate that soil and make it more fertile and give it better health so that we can produce more going forward. Um, and so that's something that's really interesting to me. And like I said, just a personal passion. I don't even think that I knew if you'd asked me, you know, three, four five years ago, I had, I would have had no idea that this was something that I would be so interested in. Um, but I'm fascinated by the way that our food is grown. And I'm floored by the farmers who raise our food and who, who figure out how to feed a population well. And um, I think that it's easy to look at farming practices on a whole and you can judge the way animals are taken care of and the way that factory farming is done. And you can be very angry about that process if you'd like, but what I've learned from getting so much closer to farmers and being surrounded by a farming community is that many farmers have a lot of very hard decisions to make and 
figuring out how to feed a nation is a very tough, complex problem to solve. And so my hat goes off to every single person, man, woman, child, whoever tries to raise food to feed their communities, because it's not a, it's not an easy job. Um, and it's not one to be taken lightly. And I do think that we have a tendency to take a lot of that for granted. So, um, you know, if you're someone listening to this podcast and you have any role in, in growing food and feeding your community, thank you for the work that you do. Because really, I just, I can't even imagine. Um, it's, it's strange to me that I've gone most my whole life without really realizing how big a role farmers play in our world. Um, and so I just, I can't say thanks enough for that. Yeah. I like how you sort of, uh, were referencing the fact about, um, you know, you don't have to have, you don't have to own a big farm. You don't have to, basically we all have a part to play in this. And there is a way where whether or not we own a farm, whether or not we grew up on a farm or know somebody who has a farm, um, there's a way, there's a part for us to play. And there's a way that we can take part in this whole restorative process and sustaining and taking care of, of the world we've been given and just stewarding uh, that blessing, if you will. And so how, what's your advice for someone say who is in that place where maybe they don't know anybody, maybe they don't have, maybe they're a kid, you know, maybe they don't have something big that they can do right now, but what are the things that they can do? What are the steps that they can take to sort of contribute? Well, it's really interesting. You know, I think you can find anything these days on the internet if you're putting in the right search terms. So, you know, you almost have to have a starting place to look for that information in order to get somewhere. But if you're sitting here and you're listening to the Utopian podcast, you're probably in the right place for really good, um, really good information about farming and about where your food comes from and about sustainability and regenerative practices. So, you know, kudos to you there if this is the place that you're starting. But, um, you know, I happen to run a personal training and nutrition business as well. And in the last couple of years, I've changed my coaching practices to helping my clients understand the importance of the quality of the food that they eat, not just, you know, not just that they're eating quote unquote healthy, but that they're thinking about where that food comes from as well, because it's so much more about just, you know, the fact that you, you think you have this healthy and well-rounded diet the things that I encourage my clients to think about is what was the quality of the animal's life and how it was treated before it made its way to you? And what was the, you know, what, what were the practices that were used in order to grow those fruits and vegetables that you bring to your home? And if you can get a little bit closer to your farmer and understand where those things come from and how they were grown, and you can be a little bit closer to your food, I think that what many of us will find is a greater reverence for the food that we, we do have the privilege to be able to enjoy. Um, so I would say if that's something that interests you and it's a topic that you would like to explore more, it starts by going to your local farmer's market, becoming a part of your local CSA, um, just, you know, going, going to a farm that's nearby your house and just exploring um, how, how the farmers run their practices, um, you know, following accounts on social media that teach you a little bit more about farming and about food. And um, I think the closer you get to, the closer you get to your food, I think, you know, the easier it is to understand what I was talking about before, that the, the people who are responsible for feeding a nation, it takes so much 
effort and just so much sacrifice that goes into that. And I think you come away from it with a renewed sense of gratitude for, for what we have. And so reverence and the, you know, the concept of reverence has been on my mind a lot recently, because I think that, um, you know, we, we can just sort of like go through our days and say, okay, yep, got to eat breakfast, lunch, and dinner. But when you can really step back and be appreciative of the food that comes to your table in each and every meal, it does change the way you think about things. Yeah. I love that. Get close to your food because I think that's, that's a huge step in helping know where your food comes from. I think that's something we push a lot is with our eggs is like, because we're a small family owned company, like all these eggs are coming from around the area, like literally from central Pennsylvania. Like we know each and every one of the farmers and like, that's a great way for you to get close to your food, to know where it comes from, to know that you're buying from, where are you getting your eggs? You know, are they coming from some big barn where chickens are mistreated and, or are they coming from a place where, you know, this is stuff like it's coming from family farms, you know, people yeah, exactly. you who are, Doing that. So that's great. I love that. I love that term and that phrase. Um, so for you, what does your day-to-day -day look like? I mean, I, even in this conversation, like you're spouting off, off more things that, that you do, like what is your, <laughs> I sort of gave my definition of your resume. Do you want to tell us a little bit more about what are all the facets of, of who you are, what you do? Like you own a farm, you also do this the health side and all that stuff. So would you mind give us a little rundown of that and then sharing what does a day-to-day -day look like for you balancing work life and farm life and all that? Yeah. So I think, you know, I've, I've always struggled throughout my life with like picking a major and picking a niche and focusing on just one thing. And if you are listening to this podcast and you are a multi-passionate person that will pique your interest because I can tell you that I've had a lot of joy throughout my life by just sort of throwing to the wind that I don't necessarily have to be a master of one thing or the foremost expert in any one thing. I've committed myself to this concept that I want my experiences to be very wide and very vast. And I don't necessarily care if my expertise in every single, in just one of those things goes, goes very, very, very deep. So I've enjoyed learning a lot about a lot of different things and I've enjoyed chasing my curiosity. And the reason that I'm sitting here on this podcast today is because years ago, I just got curious about my food and I got curious about where does this come from? And like, what are these ingredients that they put in this? And what do those ingredients do when, you know, when we eat them? And I just started getting curious. So today my life is a mix of a couple of different things. Um, I am an Air Force officer and I have been in the military. This is going on my 11th year. Um, so I'm a public affairs officer by day. Right now I'm on remote orders from home, um, supporting an organization and doing public affairs work for them. So that's sort of like public relations, you know, for the military, I do a lot of social media, I do a lot of communications, a lot of media engagement on my day-to-day -day work. Um, in addition to that, I became a personal trainer and nutrition coach back in 2014. Um, I did a master's degree in exercise science and nutrition and fitness while I was stationed on Guam with the military. Um, I had always been really interested in fitness. I've always had a passion for nutrition. And so I sort of formalized that education while I was stationed abroad. And then as I've progressed through the Air Force on the side, I guess you could call it my side hustle, if you will. 
um, has been running a personal training and nutrition business and coaching I clients. I love getting a master's degree. No <laughs> <one else. laughs> yeah, coaching. And I've been coaching clients um, throughout my Air Force career. So that's something that I've just been passionate about because as I've been able to improve my health through food and through movement, I've been passionate about helping other people do that as well. And so that's something that I've really enjoyed over time. Um, now being a reservist in the air force has allowed me to have more freedom and flexibility to be able to do that coaching and to be able to write that book that you talked about. Mm. Um, and you know, to be able to move up here to this farm and to have the ability to, to work from here. So, you know, I have a couple of things going on at once, but I've, I feel like I've always got a couple of projects going on <laughs> at the same time, because I'm so passionate and curious about a number of different things. Mm. So you know, my Air Force job sort of pays the bills and, and my coaching job too. And in addition to that, we've moved up here to this farm and I've done exactly what that previous owner has recommended that we do. Um, he looked me straight in the eye as he walked me around the gardens and told me what was planted in them and what could be harvested in the fall. And as we talked about the management of the animals that were here, and he said, you know, Sarah, it would be very unwise of you to come out here and simply mimic the version, the vision that I've had for this farm. What I think that you should do is come out here and get your hands and get your knees into this dirt and listen. And the answers for what you would like to do with this farm next will come to you in time. So, you know, we've really taken that advice to heart and we have been doing that. I've been going out on the land and listening and looking around and observing what's here and taking all of that education that I've been learning about regenerative farming and about um, rotational grazing of your animals and about replenishing your soil. And I've been thinking about how best to apply that here. Now, does that mean that I'll become a full-time farmer and that, you know, this farm that we live on will be a full-time running farm? I don't know that yet. I actually don't even know the answer. And I think a lot of people, when they purchase a farm, they know exactly what they want to do with the land. You know, they're like, this is the type of farming that I want to do. I'm going to go look and find the land that will support that goal. And then I will, you know, put that plan in action. For Chris and I, we did it a little bit backwards. We found the farm. We don't yet know what we will create here on it, but we know that whatever we do will take, you know, our, our best intentions for our greatest good. And that's what we'll use this land for. And whether that turns into full-time farming or it turns into education and sharing information, um, you know, or any number of those things, this is a place from which I feel like some of my best, um, my best ideas and my best learning can be put in, into practice. And I think what your point is so, so valid in like, you know, what you refer to as listening to the soil or like evaluating what needs done for today. Um, and I think, you know, the previous owner's point is really what this whole regenerative agriculture movement is about, mm -hmm. is don't just keep doing what I've been doing for years, because, you know, plants change and soil like, you know, we, you know, in some of the studies we've been doing and researching, and again, we're on our own journey, um, just like everybody else is and what worked for, you know, my family for so many years, isn't going to necessarily work for today. And, you know, as we evaluate what can we do moving forward, I just think that's so cool. And the way that you guys are honing in on that and saying, you know, what plants are here? You know, what um, weeds are here? And now what do I need to do? Or, yeah. you know, what, you know, what problem, what might look like a problem right now? How can I conquer that by, hey, bringing in another species of this type of plant that 
takes care of that. And, you know, it, it just, there's this full cycle, which is really cool. I think the best way I've ever heard it summed up is just the idea of working with nature rather than against it, because I feel like so much of agriculture in the past, whatever it's been, 50 years, um, has just been, we're fighting against weeds, we're fighting against, you know what I mean? Just like fighting, 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 trying to bring what we want, sort of like you're talking about, rather than arrive at the farm and like, okay, what is this earth meant for? Like, what's going to be good here? Rather than coming and just like, I'm going to plant this and grow this and grow this and that's it. And I'm going to fight against everything that's going to come in opposition to that. But just the idea of coming and like, here's nature, here's, here's the farm I have, here's what I've been given. I'm going to be a good steward of this. I'm going to find out and get to know the soil and get to know what works best here. And then just moving from there and just, yeah, you don't know where you're going to end up, but it's a journey and eventually you'll get there and, and maybe you'll never get there. Maybe it's just, maybe it's just a process that's going to continue to grow until eventually maybe you pass it on to the next person. And I think it's just, uh, yeah, I think that's beautiful and just a great, yeah, a great summary of what we're all about here. And it's great to see you sort of on that journey in, yeah, that's great. Yeah, I think it's that thing of, yeah, I think it's that thing of like arriving just hardly happens in farming where it's like, oh, I have now arrived. Um, and really in all of life, you know, we, we need to constantly be, um, you know, becoming better people and striving for better in everything we do. And I think the same is for farming, you know. Um, and I think the American farming, you know, at a whole has kind of found what works to produce the amount that we need for the population. Um, and so it's kind of hard for us to change that mindset of how do we go away from factory farming and we can look at the numbers and see if I have X amount of this, we get this type of results um, to say, actually, we might get higher results if we can go back to how nature was intended to be um, and how it was supposed to work together. Um, yeah, work with nature. Love it. Very cool. So I think it's been referenced, uh, the book you wrote, I know this is sort of veering a little bit away, I think, from farming and sustainability, but uh, we love hearing about, you know, endeavors like that as well, just like personal things that maybe maybe aren't quite as big in <laughs> your day to day, but maybe, maybe they are. But uh, tell us a little bit about your, your book. Um, I've seen a little bit about that on Instagram, and I think people can find information and maybe an Amazon link on there. Um, but fill us in on that a little bit. Yeah, so thank you. I um, had it back when I was in college, my mom had said, you know, Sarah, you really should think about writing a book and telling some of the stories of your life, because I think that girls your age, you know, who may be going through similar things that you have, we had a number of, of different interesting life and family things happen throughout my college years and before that. But um, she said, you know, I think girls your age who may be going through something similar might not feel so alone. Mm-hmm. And at that time in my early 20s, I was not yet ready to write a book, but I did promise to myself that by the time I turned 30, that I had set this goal for myself to be a published author. And so just before my 30th birthday, I was transitioning off active duty in the Air Force to becoming a reservist and running my coaching business full time. And my 30th birthday was sort of looming on the horizon. And I did finally take that time to sit down and think through all of those stories and those lessons that have made me the person that I am today. And at that point, and put them into the form of a book that I titled Such Is Life. And um, it's a culmination of 30 different lessons that I've learned throughout life told through the real stories and interactions of some of the people that have made the most profound difference in my life. Um, 
you know, it was a really awesome accomplishment to be able to, to go back and write down those stories and relive those memories and make peace with, with some other ones too, and to tell those stories and then um, to put it out there and share it with other people. And the one hope that I always have when people read that book is not, not that they get so caught up in the stories of my own life, but that by going through that book and reading each of those chapters, they're very short. You can read them, you know, really easily. You can get through the book, you know, in one sitting if you'd like, but that they go through those stories and think about the memories and the moments of their own lives and how the people and lessons have shaped them as a person as well. And um, I think that's been some of the biggest benefit of sharing my own story is that it, it gives an outlet for people to read through them and think about their own life and how far they've come as well. Um, and, and that's just been a really special gift in, in the process too. And has that helped you after writing that and coming out of that and finally setting and achieving that goal coming out of that? And obviously you still have a lot of, a lot of adventures and everything far ahead, but did that sort of help maybe give you a focus as far as here's where I've come from and sort of here's where I'm going, some sort of uh, place to, to look to as like a, a point in your life that, you know, that sort of shed some light on some issues or something like that. Well, it's really interesting. And I was just actually thinking about it this morning that, you know, if like, I, I might've mentioned this in the beginning of our conversation, but I think if you had asked me, you know, four or five years ago, would I see myself, you know, sitting here on this farm thinking about, you know, regenerative agriculture and sustainability and talking about nutrition and, um, and thinking about farming and wanting to, to own and run a farm of my own. And back then I would have thought like, man, I just don't see it for myself. Yeah. Um, I think at that time when I was switching from, you know, my very steady active duty air force career to something a little bit more uncertain in entrepreneurship. Um, I think I was, thinking that my life would go in one certain direction. And throughout that process, and in the years that followed the release of that book, um, it, it's taken a much different turn and all for the better. Um, you know, I couldn't really have planned this for myself and I don't know that I saw our lives going in this direction, but it really has been a great adventure and an awesome journey. And, you know, if I guess, if I had to say, I would say we've, we've ended up, we've ended up way better than I could have made it up in my head. Yeah. That's great. That's beautiful. Um, so I think we're, uh, definitely getting close to the end. I think we've been running, um, not past our time, but definitely getting close. Uh, so in all this, the questions, are there any questions you wish that I had asked you any topics you wish that I had brought up and discussed? Questions that I wish maybe you had asked. Well, I guess let's go ahead and talk about the different um, the different types of, of um, like eggs and products that you offer. So you saw that the morning that I was making my Utopia hen breakfast, I was enjoying your duck eggs. Yeah. Um, and I guess you know I I think maybe I'm just interested if we could go over one of the questions I have for you guys is if you could just go over like some of the different products that you offer. Um, and, and how we can find those too. Yeah, absolutely. Um, should I take it away? Yeah, go for it. <laughs> okay. I'll, I'll insert any missing pieces. Sounds good. Um, yeah. So Utopia and Farms, uh, we have, um, three different, uh, 
products or skews of eggs, if you will, and then we have our duck eggs. Um, so the three chicken eggs um, are all of them are pasture raised. Um, so you can find our just original pasture raised, um, or you can find our organic pasture raised. And then we also have a soy free pasture raised egg um, specifically targeted towards people who either are allergic to soy or are looking to eliminate soy from their diet. Um, that's one that is, yeah, that's, it's a little targeted, but it's also one that, you know, it's a great egg. It's, it's a great egg. I'm not allergic to soy and it's one of my favorite. It, eggs. it tastes, it's, it tastes it pretty literally good. tastes better. And I you can it. taste the difference between the soy free egg and the just traditional pasture race, yeah, which is kind of yeah. weird, but it, um, there's, it's definitely, I don't know what it is. It's like a rich richness in some ways. Yeah. Like it's probably the same type of thing you would taste in a duck egg versus a chicken egg. Yep. Probably yeah. Same. And I thought that was something that I, I was hoping we would get to too, is that, you know, is there a big difference between chicken eggs and duck eggs? And I would say, I, the, so when I was buying the Utopian duck eggs, that was the first time that I was trying them because I'm interested in using them for a recipe yeah. and, um, specifically in baking recipes. Yep, yep, and yep. so I was having them just, you know, traditionally as breakfast, I made some like sunny side up eggs for breakfast to try them that way. And, um, you know, it's, it's maybe hard to place like a real difference. I think what I would have had to do is like make a duck egg and make a chicken egg and eat them both together. Yeah. So you can yeah. really see the difference. Um, but one thing that I did note for sure is that the yolks were beautiful, mm -hmm. a really beautiful color and that they're so much bigger than a chicken egg. Yeah. Um, so just like really enjoyed that experience and have been enjoying experimenting with the different types of I think we might have lost you for a little bit here. So just a really cool experience to be able to um, work with both. And I really enjoyed cooking with the duck eggs as well. That's awesome. Um, what, uh, did you try them hard boiled? Cause I think that with the duck eggs, that's where I've been able to find the biggest difference is when you hard boil them, normally like with a chicken egg, the yolk I don't know, it tends to like, if you hard boil it for too long, you know how the yolk will get a little crumbly or whatever. Um, with the duck egg, I found that it just stayed like a very consistent, like creamy texture, almost like a, almost like a jelly or like a jam. It's very jammy. And uh, <laughs> that's like the biggest, the best way I can describe it. It's just like, it's a jammy yolk. I don't know if that's a word or. Well, that's what I was interested in using them for is like baking. And, and I know that duck eggs are, you know, used in a lot of recipes where you want like that, the egg, whatever the egg base is for the recipe that you're yeah. making to be richer. So we have this baked custard recipe that we make for dessert that is just so 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 good and i'll have to send you the the recipe so that you can share it in the show notes of this so that everyone else can try it at home but the basics of the ingredients are egg yolks so you want to grab your utopian duck eggs and use the egg yolks for this recipe and then it is um milk and cream um and maple syrup and then on the top you put like some nutmeg and cinnamon but basically uh -huh. You know, you heat the milk together, you add it to the, to the whipped egg yolks with the maple syrup, you put that in a container, like you put that into a dish and bake it and then refrigerate it. And that custard, I'm telling you, mwah, it's so good. <laughs> it's so good, but definitely like the Utopian duck eggs. That was the reason that I bought them and was trying them was because I was like, man, this was, this is going to make for the best custard recipe. So 
more to come once we end up making it. But yeah, definitely. it'll be interesting to see what you say or what you think because I think people like like it for both because the the yolks are also really big. So some people that need yolks specifically for or like if a recipe will sometimes say you know we need a little bit more yolk than we need white. You know then the duck eggs are also a great solution for that because there is more overall yolk to white in a duck egg than there's a chicken egg. So if you're using yeah. the one one to one supplement, you end up getting more yolk in your in it. But yeah, that's so cool. I love it. Well, so. and then around these parts, we don't like to waste anything. So when I'm yeah. using the yolks for that recipe, Chris can use the whites to make his protein shakes, and then everybody in this house is happy. There you go. <laughs> that's perfect. Love yeah, that. but that's utopian for you in a eggshell. He <laughs> <laughs> went there, he did it. <laughs> I did. I did. I, yeah. I, thank I, you for covering those because I, you know, I think it's great that you have the offer of both. And it was, it was exciting to be able to find you through, I had duck eggs on my mind. I was thinking about them and, you know, here I am in the store standing in like, you know, in the section in front of eggs and like, they came off the shelf, like, ah! So was really happy to be able to try them and bake with them. And it's awesome to be here with you guys now. Yeah, Yeah. that's great. Um, All right. Uh, So we normally do like a little rapid fire session. So maybe we'll do that to wrap us up. Um, Let's do it. Give our, give our listeners just a little bit more um, to find in common with you. Um, because I'm hoping that through this, I'll be able to find your pages and maybe go on Netflix and watch. We didn't really even get into that. Um, but you, oh, do man, have, we could talk for days. You too. <laughs> I'd have to schedule a part two. Um, <laughs> all right. So I'm going to, uh, go rapid fire answer as quickly as you can. And George sure. will hold you accountable for your time and he'll it's give you the, different every time he'll so. give you the buzzer if you go over time, but okay, <laughs> I feel it out. All right. If you had to choose one music, movies, or books. Books. Okay. Favorite novel. Oh man. I don't know. I read a lot of like <laughs> soil and farm books. <laughs> okay. How about favorite genre? Oh man. It's definitely like nonfiction. Okay. Introvert or extrovert? No, both. Did a little both. Okay. <laughs> if you could live anywhere in the world, where would it be? Right here. Very that's cool. a, that's a very good answer. We've heard that a couple times from different people that answer that. <laughs> so. And last question: If you could have coffee with any historical figure, who would you choose? Oh my gosh, probably like Thomas Jefferson. Only because in this book that I'm reading right now, it talks about like these old. Um, journals of Thomas Jefferson talking about farming. And so I just would be interested to ask all of these questions about regenerative agriculture. <laughs> That's awesome. Very cool. That is a unique answer. I think we heard the closest we got to that. I think someone said Benjamin Franklin. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so- it's just on my mind this morning because I was like, oh man, as I was reading this book, I thought I'm going to have to go see if I can chase down these journal entries that this author's talking about and see if I can also read them just because now I'm interested to see like what did it say about the soil and about um, cover crops and about all of these different things? Oh, so and I'm, find, I'm sure you would find something just like, I'm sure that's just like an amazing wealth of information to go back because that's going farther back than uh, where we were at starting like 50 years ago with agriculture and everything where you're going back far enough. I feel like where we, they would have been more in the regular farming would have been a bit more regenerative and sustainable and everything. So I feel yeah, like it's so interesting because we think we've uncovered this like new thing in talking about regenerative agriculture, but really we're just going like way, 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 way back. And so that's really what, you know, what primes my answer is that I have been thinking about 
like, man, we're just going back and uncovering things that we've already known, but forgot and got lost along the way. And so, I mean, that's, what's so fun about the journey, you know, it's just rediscovering all of the, all of the awesome wisdom that's already there for us. That's right. And once you get that big nugget of truth, definitely let us know. That's awesome. Yeah, will do. I'll have to let you know if I uncover all the journal entries, (laughs) if I find them for myself. Yeah, that's awesome. All right, Sarah, would you have any uh, podcasts or books or any helpful tools that you want to recommend to our listeners? Oh man. Yeah. So actually there's one website that I really love and that I think your listeners will love too. And it's called eat wild. Um, I think it's either eatwild.com or eatwild.org. But when you go onto that site, no matter where you live in the United States, you can look up your state and it will tell you about organic and regenerative and grass-fed farms in your area. It'll tell you where you can find raw milk and where you can find grass-fed beef and where you can find, you know, pasture-raised chickens and pork. Um, And it's a really great resource, a free resource for people to find. Um, So that site I really love. And I always recommend that to my clients and to my friends, because I think it's an awesome place, you know, no matter where you are, you're close to a farm somewhere. So Um, that site will help you find one that's close to you. Um, right now, the book that I mentioned, I'm in the process of reading the book called Dirt to Soil. And mm-hmm. if you'll give me one sec, I'll actually pull it up so I can tell you. The, the author's name is Gabe Brown. Um, that's the book that I'm in the process of reading now. And I just, you know, I think it's really interesting because it goes back and talks about soil health from the, from the, um, from the, perspective of a rancher who kind of like did everything wrong to begin with, with his farm and, you know, faced a lot of hardship before he realized that regenerative agriculture was the way to go. So it's just a lot of learning and a lot of really cool um, stories that I think are interesting for you, you, you know, no matter where you are in that journey. Amazing. Those are great resources. Um, thank you so much for sharing. And where can our listeners find you online? What page do you want to direct them to? So Um, I think, you know, as we're here talking about farming, you can follow us. Our Instagram handle is at little dream farm. Um, That is the name of our farm. And the reason that it has that name is because while I was standing here with the previous owner of this farm, I noticed that there was a a space for a farm sign out at the front of the farm, but that there was no sign in the actual, um, in the actual stand. And I had asked him, had you ever thought of a name for this farm in all these years that you lived here. And he said, yeah, you know, I always wanted to call it the little dream farm. And so that is how it's got its name. And you can see that sign on your Instagram. I've seen you sure can. Yep. So we had a proper sign made with all of the most important things that he cherished from this farm put into that sign, um, just as a way to honor and and pay tribute to him as well. So you can find us at the little dream farm. That'll take you to my personal account where I talk about, you know, nutrition and fitness and a lot more than that. And some sustainability stuff. You can also find our cat account that is, um, at chunky Mr. B where we talk a lot about our cat rescue and, and all of the, the rescue work that we do too, but you can always start with the farm. There you go. All right, Sarah. Well, thank you so much for joining us. It's been a pleasure chatting with you. Um, Thanks so much for coming on the show. Um, It's been a blast and great to connect and just have this interview and really delve deep into just all these different topics. And um, thank you so much. And to our listeners, uh, don't forget to like, subscribe, leave us a five-star review and um, comment on the podcast, Spotify, Anchor, wherever it is that you're listening, Apple Podcasts. 
the more reviews, the more comments we get, the more listens, the more we're able to bring on amazing guests like Sarah. So Sarah, again, thank you so much. And to all of our listeners, we'll see you next week. You've been listening to Utopian Talk, where we believe that making a big difference starts with one small act, one small decision, one small change, one small promise to simply do better. Join us on the journey.